but Jesus is here. Amen? <laughs> and, uh, well, let's just go before the Lord in prayer, please. Thank you. Our most gracious Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord. Father God, we thank you that you are our daddy. Father, we thank you that you have recreated us into the image of, a, of your very self, of a very holy God, and into the image of your Son. Father, we thank you right now in the mighty name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth that when you look at us, you don't see us, you see your Son. Father, we thank you that you have redeemed us. Father, that you are going through the process and sanctifying us, Father, moment by moment, glory to glory, Father God, that you're changing us from the inside out. Father, I just ask your blessing on us tonight, Father God. I ask your blessing on Pastor Steve, Counselor Steve, as he comes to us tonight to share, Father God. I thank you, Father God, for the equipping of him from not only personal knowledge and all the things that has happened in his life, Father, but, Father, for his willingness to share his knowledge and his life to us, Father, and with us, Father, that we may be made whole and healed. Father God, we know that you are Jehovah Rapha, our healer. You're not only the healer of our bodies, but you're, you're the restorer and the rewarder of our minds, Father God. So, Father, tonight we just thank you. We welcome you with complete and absolute authority in this place that nothing, nothing can come against us. Nothing can come against us. Nothing can prosper against us because we have the blood covenant of Jesus Christ covering our lives, being applied to our lives. And, Father, we thank you most of all that we just had Easter to remind us that you did die for us, that it is absolute. And Father God, that your son Jesus is no longer on the cross. He has risen, he has risen indeed. And Father God, because he's risen, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Father, there is not one thing that we cannot do on this side of the cross. So, Father God, we just thank you. Father, we look forward to healing, restoration, recommitment, regeneration, Father God, in our lives. And, Father, we know that you are complete in every way, that you are holy in every way, and you tell us to be holy as you are holy. So, Father, as we commit this time, Father, each week over the next five weeks beginning tonight, and who knows, maybe weeks after that, Father God, Father, as we commit this specific time, though, tonight, Father God, we just ask you to be here in complete authority by your word and through your spirit. In Jesus Christ of Nazareth, we pray. Amen. Well, without further ado, it is my honor and uh, really a privilege to me. This is, I'll tell you, this is a time that I never thought would happen, <laughs> to be honest. But... Um, to me, it's a great honor and a great privilege to, to have uh, Steve Bez here tonight. And he has put together some of the best material. I only had seen like a little snippet of the material about three weeks ago. But he's put together some of the best material, that little snippet that I have seen, dealing with unmet uh, needs and unresolved hurts. And I can't remember the last one right now. It just totally escapes me. So that's probably where I need the most work, right? <laughs> anyway, but... But the thing is, is that all of us have unmet needs. All of us have unresolved hurts. We all have these things in our lives where Satan likes to come in and plug us. But 
may I just say to you, he's getting ready to get unplugged and dethroned. Amen. Amen. Because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And God wants us cleaned up because there's a whole, peop- a whole bunch of people out there in the out there someplace running around that need us. Amen. Amen. And we have to be fully and completely equipped to touch those lives. So Steve, come on up. Thank you. Welcome, Steve, please. Is this a, is this a hint? I need to watch, watch my time, eh? eh? Okay. So every time I look there, I check the time. Yeah. Okay, well, who was here the first time? First talk, three, four, only a few of you. Were you here for my first talk? Oh, didn't recognize your face second time around. Did you shave? Uh, yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's what my... <laughs> okay, well, this is how we're going to work it tonight. It's going to be a little bit different to the first talk. So um, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll probably recap a little bit just so that you've got a basic idea of what, where we're going with this because this is kind of a, a more detailed explanation of what I spoke about the last time. Okay. So we're kind of breaking it down into biteable chunks. So we can, it's going to be a practical kind of thing for you to be doing yourself. Because the whole idea is that uh, you want to be walking in freedom and you need to maintain that freedom yourself. You don't always want to be, need to be reliant on someone else. The only person you need to be reliant on is the Holy Spirit. So you want to kind of get as many tools and um, helps and ideas that you can so you can assist yourself, so you can work through these things yourself. So tonight, we're going to be doing some practical stuff. So you're going to be doing a lot of the work. Okay. If, if at any time you want to ask a question or you want to make a comment, please put your hand up. I don't mind being interrupted. Okay, even if you don't agree with me, don't feel that you have to agree with everything I say. If you don't agree, you want to ask a question or crave fire, just put your hand up and that's fine. It's always good to have a little bit of interaction. Okay, let's hit the first one. Okay, so in a perfect world, this is what we want. God's perfect soul for his beloved. Love, nurturing, security, trust, acceptance, encouragement, godly understanding, gender identity, spiritual identity, affirmation, hope, worth, creativity, purpose, goal, sense of identity. God created Adam in his image, perfect in beauty. When man sinned, man experienced a living death, spirit, soul, and body. Each generation's sin further corrupts and destroys the destiny of man, God's plan and purpose. Now, if you look at those little blocks there, You'll be able to see, and you might not be able to clarify exactly in your own mind yet, but you will after this, this talk, is where, you, where those things in your life are missing. So just look at the, turn the, make those things the opposite. So love, being unloved, nurturing, no nurturing, security, insecurity, trust, mistrust, acceptance, rejection, encouragement, destruction, godly understanding, no, no understanding or confusion. Gender identity. Gender identity is, is the, the problem that people have with whether they're male or female. Okay. So sometimes you're born with the, the issue, and sometimes it can be a biological issue or physiological issue. In other words, there's a, a chromosome gone missing in your body, but sometimes it can be a spiritual inheritance that has come down through the family. Okay, so homosexuality could be something that comes from generations. 
So you might look at your grandpa and say, no, but my dad wasn't that way inclined, neither was my grandpa. But you don't know generations down the line, there might have been something that was going on there that then skips generations and then ends up in, in the person's line. Okay. Spiritual identity. So you don't know who you are in Christ. You've got no understanding of, of who you are as a Christian. Affirmation, so you don't have any affirmation. So you, you've had no one telling you that I love you, you're special, um, you, you're the best son in the world, you're the best daughter in the world, all of that kind of stuff. So your father never hugged you or told you he's proud of you or stuff like that. Okay. Hope, hopeless, worthless, lack of creativity, no purpose, no goals, and no sense of destiny. Okay, so when you look at those things, you can all, all of us can identify where somewhere along the line it's been corrupted. And obviously as you go on, you'll see that there'll be areas in your life where there's more corruption because of sin and things that you're missing in your life. Okay, next one. Okay, just a quick... Um, we don't have to go through all of those things, but just to show you what happens with addictive behavior... Okay, so if you get into addictive behavior, that, that, this is what happens. And you'll see that you become preoccupi preoccupied with something, then you get into rituals, okay? Stuff you start to do. So you start cruising the streets looking for your bio, or looking for the place that you need to go, riding past, all that kind of stuff. So you get into these rituals. Intense focus produces high, actually using, okay, without actually using. Anticipation of using produces an altered state. Okay, and then you go into the acting out, and then you get the consequences, and then preoccupation ritual, and you go around. Now, the problem over there, if you had to add on to those things, you'd add um, uh, pain, preoccupation, pain. Okay, you go through your ritual to make you feel better. Okay? You act out. Consequence, you feel guilty, guilt and shame, which makes you feel bad, and so you get into the cycle. Okay, of just making yourself feel good, acting out guilt and shame, and so you get into that cycle again. And that's what, that's what happens with addictive behavior. You get into a pattern. And what, we, what we're going to do tonight is show you how you can break into that pattern and stop that behavior. Okay. Okay, next one. The root cause of addiction. If you're down here, you're looking in the wrong place. Spiritual fulfillment is the key to break. Don't go so fast. Thank you. <laughs> Spiritual fulfillment is the key to breaking the addiction. And only God can break the cycle of addiction. So if you're down there at the bottom, okay, because essentially what you've got to ask yourself is that all addictive behavior, it doesn't matter what it is, okay. I was chatting to a guy today who, um, who doesn't think that he's preoccupation with, um, with high-risk sport is an addiction. He was an alcoholic. He stopped drinking and smoking. And what did I say last time? If you can remember, addictive behavior will switch addiction. So you can stop doing your behavior, okay? You go to an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting. All the alcoholics, uh, ex-alcoholics don't drink but they, they don't drink alcohol anymore, but they're standing around drinking coffee and smoking like crazy. Okay? Because what happens? You switch your addiction. Because why? Why do you switch your addiction? Why do you think, anybody? Why do you think you switch your addiction? Because alcohol isn't cool anymore. 
and you go for, why? Why do you switch? Yeah, you're in the cycle. Yeah. And you, you, your needs aren't being met. Okay? Maybe you've got those unmet needs, the unhealed hurts, and the unresolved issues, Debbie, the unresolved issues. Okay? So you've got those unmet needs, unhealed hurts, and unresolved issues. Okay? And those are the issues that are at the bottom. And those are the things that are driving your addictive behavior. So your drugs and your alcohol abuse are not actually the issue. They're just a fruit of something deeper. So when we concentrate on the alcoholic or the alcohol and the drugs and the, all that kind of stuff, and you eliminate that without dealing with the unmet needs and the unhealed hurts and unresolved issues, what's going to happen? You're just going to switch to another addiction. And the problem with addictive behavior in the world is that there's some acceptable addictions and some unacceptable addictions. So being an alcoholic is unacceptable. Being a drug addict is unacceptable. But being a workaholic is acceptable. You can work hard and be passionate and committed and dedicated to your work, but you're actually doing the same thing. You're still running away. All addictive behavior is running away from something. You're trying to hide. You're trying to avoid. And if you are avoiding, doesn't matter what you are doing, if you are engaging in avoidance behavior, you're addicted to whatever you're doing to keep yourself away. Do you want to say something? A needing to meet an unmet need in your life where you didn't have that love before. And so you're meeting it through other things. Okay, you all, all addictive behavior, you're avoiding something. Okay. And the deepest, if, you, if, you, if, if we were able to just remove everything and get down to grassroots, you'd find that the thing that you're needing to meet the most is your spiritual emptiness. All addictive behavior... When you strip all away all the stuff, it's a need to be intimate with God. And you avoid that through whatever you can. Because it's too scary to give yourself too much to God because He might reject you and chase you away. Remember, remember what I said, the f the f one of the first things I said the, the last time, is that we're all addicted to sin. Okay. And some of us deal with that addiction in very different ways. So some of us are addicted to 
substances or whatever that's unacceptable to the world even alcoholics and drug addicts and stuff is here but these acceptable addictions so addiction to caffeine and coke sport sex food shopping chocolate anybody yeah i see you all smiling there chocolate yes okay so so there's a whole lot and the, but there's varieties of addictive behavior because you see what happens with addictive behavior is that we we are meeting legitimate needs okay you've got an unmet need an unhealed hurt an unresolved issue okay that needs to be met so just take an unmet need a lack of being loved so you there's an unmet need in your life you weren't loved as a child no one showed you love no one touched you in a healthy way no one expressed their love for you no one hugged you no one said that you're special and no one your parents never ever once said to you i love you my boy you you're the best okay so you've got this unmet need inside of you now what happens is that no one can meet that need except god nothing can meet that need except god okay so what we do it's a legitimate need to be loved but we meet that legitimate need in an illegitimate way so we engage in all kinds of behavior that is wrong and sinful so we choose to meet our own needs without god and any time we choose to meet our needs without god we're sinning because then I'm engaging in behavior that takes me away from God. And in fact, when I'm doing that, it's taking me, the more I do that, it takes me further and further away from healing. So one of the first steps that you need to take, okay, maybe not the first step, it's kind of the second. Okay, let me tell you about the first step you need to take. The very first step that a person needs to take before they do anything else. And some of you have heard me say this before. If you've ever heard me talk about addictions, you've heard me say this. You have to admit that you've got a problem. If the person is not willing to admit that they've got a problem with whatever it is, you cannot help them. That's the first step. I, I admit that I've got a problem with alcohol. And the second thing is I've got to admit that it's out of my control. I cannot do anything about it. If a person is not willing to admit those two steps, you cannot help them. They're not ready. Okay. The third step then is to say that there are, there's nothing I can do about it. So I've got to then turn to God. I've got to acknowledge that the only way I'm going to resolve this issue is turn, turn my life over to God. And so the, so the first step in a sense of something that I have to do is I have to repent. And I've got to ask, tell the Lord, I'm sorry. And the only thing that you need to tell God you're sorry for is this. I'm sorry for trying to meet my needs without you. That's all. The other stuff will come later. But the first step that you need to take. I've got a problem. It's out of my control. Lord, I'm sorry for trying to meet this need. For trying to get out of this thing with my, in my own strength and for doing it all by myself. I'm sorry for doing that. I need your help. Okay, next one. Intangible awareness or sense of dissatisfaction or unhappiness. Okay. Desire to escape pain and discomfort. Search for happiness, satisfaction and consolation. Compensating disordered behavior. There, shopping, overspending, overeating, alcohol, sexual gratification, gambling, power and control, pursuit of wealth or fame, 
guilt and remorse, triggers, stress, loneliness, anger, frustration, sadness, depression, and helplessness. The binge is only temporary satisfying or gratifying before the emptiness returns, and then you go back to intangible awareness, and so you self-feeding addiction. I need more of the drug to maintain the same level of relief. You all know that. Any addictive behavior, there will always be an escalation. Okay, you start off with one drink, six months later you need six beers to, to, to achieve the same result. You start off with one joint of marijuana, six months later you need to smoke it three or four times a day to get the same kind of high. Your body becomes addict, uh, uh, used to that. Hmm? Yes, it builds up a tolerance, thank you. Builds up a tolerance. And that's with anything, even pornography, even sexual addiction. Your body builds up that. Shopping, overeating. Okay? A person who's got anorexia or bulimia, they'll need to engage in that behavior more often to make themselves feel better. Okay. So there's always that need to get deeper and deeper. And it might take a long time. Okay? It doesn't happen over a couple of months. It could take years. But still, that's what happens. Do you have, um, are you able to look on, my, on that blue disc of mine while he's working on that computer? Can you do that? No. Okay. Um, right, there's, there's your three areas there. Unmet needs, unhealed hurts, and unresolved issues. Those are the key issues for anything. You've got to ask yourself, and we'll be doing that over the, over the next couple of weeks. You've got to ask yourself, what are the unhealed, unmet needs, unhealed hurts, and unresolved issues in my life? Okay, you can, they've got the PowerPoint on the computer, and you can, you're welcome to take it. Okay, so you don't have to take these notes down. If you, don't, if you want the PowerPoint, they, they can give it to you. You can take it. Okay, so it'll be all of this stuff over here. And they record it. You are recording this, eh? So they are recording this, and you can get the recording for free as well. Okay. So there's unmet needs. Don't do any more. Unmet needs, unhealed hurts, and unresolved issues. Those are your three key areas. Now let me just go quickly and tell you what that is. An unmet need is something that you should have got, but you didn't. Okay, so love, affirmation, all of that kind of stuff. An unhealed hurt is something that happened to you that shouldn't have happened to you. So you were abused, you were raped, you were neglected. Okay. And an unresolved issue is when you take those two together, an unresolved issue is like unforgiveness. Why did it happen to me? What's going on? What's wrong with me? And stuff. And so, and then those three areas there develop security, significance, and self-esteem. Okay. Now, if you don't, if if you've got unmet needs, unhealed hurts, and unresolved issues, you're going to have insecurity, insignificance, and low self-esteem. So the, what we need to be doing is, is with those unmet needs, the person will feel insignificant, have a low self-esteem, and feel insecure. And so we need to help them get out of that, okay, by healing the, un, the unmet need or the unhealed hurt and unresolved issue. Okay, next one. Then what starts to happen because of those areas in your life, a stronghold starts to take place. Go again. Okay. Uh, keep on going, keep on going. Okay, and those keep on feeding on each other. Unmet needs try to bring you significance. 
Okay? So I use something to make me feel significant. Because there's an unmet need there, I feel insignificant. I use drugs to make me feel significant. Which then leads to an unhealed hurt, which de uh, destroys my self-esteem and unresolved issues. So I get around in that cycle again. Next one. In develops insignificance. Next. Low self-esteem. Next. Insecurity. Next. Okay. So now you've got this. Next. Put the next one on. Okay. So now you've got two people. Now think about this. Okay? Think about your relationships. There's two of you that have got unmet needs, unhealed hurts, and unresolved, because all of us have got them. Okay? There's not one person on this earth that doesn't have unmet needs, unhealed hurts, or unresolved issues in their life. Okay? We, we all, we just at different levels of, of that. Okay? And there's very few of us that are completely secure, completely feel completely significant, and have a very, very strong self-esteem. There's very few people like that. Okay. And the reason why is because we, 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 we try and become significant ourselves. We try and, and build our own self-esteem up. Okay. So we become uh, arrogant and cocky and pr proud okay, to make ourselves look good. So now you've got two people. What do you think is going to happen when you've got two people who both are feeling insecure and insignificant and they come together in a relationship? What do you think is going to happen? Yeah, there's going to be major problems. Okay? That's why there's so many divorces. And do you know that the divorce rate in the church is as high as the divorce rate in the world? And why is that? That should never be. And I'll tell you why. It's because we've got Christians who haven't dealt with those issues. And they come together and they try and live in harmony with each other. But it's very difficult for a, for a person who feels insignificant 90% of their time to give anything of themselves to another person who feels just as insignificant. Because I, I'll protect myself. I'll keep myself safe. I'll put up walls. I'll develop false intimacy. Okay, next one. Next, next. Keep on going. Okay. So as we start to feed each other, the, the stronghold start to, to take hold, okay? The stronghold gets bigger and bigger all the time. Keep on going. Keep on going. Okay. So that's what happens. The stronghold just grows. Okay, and starts to take over every area of our lives. Okay? Till eventually we are trapped in the stronghold of unmet needs, unhealed hurts, insignificance, low self-esteem. And we're trying to battle and we're trying to, we get married or we get into a relationship expecting that this person over here is going to meet that need in me. Because I feel insignificant, I get attached to him because I think he's going to meet that need and make me feel significant. As long as I've got a man or a woman... I feel significant. Take that out of the way, I feel insignificant again. So what am I doing? I hook up with people all the time to make me feel significant. And so when he can't handle it anymore, he goes and I try the next guy, and I try the next guy, and I try the ne or the next girl and the next girl to make me feel significant. I've got to strip that away and say, no ways. That's not, that does, just because I've got a person in my life doesn't make me significant. I'm significant because I'm a child of God. 
I'm significant because God created me and loves me just the way that I am. And whether I've got a partner or not doesn't complete me. I'm a complete person. This other person never completes me. I will never complete that person. My wife and I are complete on our own. We complement each other. We fight and we argue. But we always try and do it in a way that's going to build each other up. Because if you see, if you can't fight and argue and end the fight where the person has still got their significance, their self-esteem and their security intact, you're fighting wrong. You're fighting bad. You need to, and if you can't do that, you need to walk away. If you're going to say something that's going to strip the person's self-esteem and significance down, walk away. And you need to train yourself to do that. Because it doesn't come, in fact, it comes easier to do it the other way. eh? So when they're at me, I'm at them. Much easier to do that. So break the stronghold. The only thing that can break the stronghold is the cross. Jesus Christ. Next. And then as we spend time with Jesus, keep on going. His presence starts to take over and starts to then destroy the stronghold and starts to then meet those needs, meets those unresolved issues, this insignificance and so on. Okay. Now all of us, I might have said this the last time, but I'm going to say it again. All of us, and again, I'm sure if, if you've ever heard me speak, you'd, you'd have heard me say this. We've all got parts of our, in, our, in our lives, our souls and our spirits, that only certain people can meet. Okay. So you've got something inside of you that only your father can meet, and only your mother can meet. Okay. And only your brother or sister, and, so, and people like it, and a, and a spouse, a wife. Okay. That's why the Bible says that we must be the husband of one wife. Because you can only, that, that need inside of you can be only met by one woman. If you get married and you get divorced, you are not meeting that need anymore. That woman, you think that, that they're meeting your need, but they won't be able to meet that need in a complete way. Okay, unless you get healing from that. Now what happens if you are like everybody else and you've got all these unmet needs, you never had a father figure in your life, your mother wasn't around, um, your, your brothers were abusive, okay? So what happens is that you come into marriage and you expect your wife to meet your mother, the mother need inside of you, because there was an absent mother. Or a woman comes into marriage expecting that the husband will meet the need of the absent father, and that will never happen. If you're expecting your spouse or your girlfriend to meet the need that can only be met by your mother, you're always going to be disappointed. So often when people come into marriage, they've got expect, uh, false expectations. Okay? You come from a home that is, is, the father was very involved. He did everything, even though he worked. The mother never worked. Your mom never worked. She's a stay-at-home mom. Your dad worked, but he came home and he was very involved in the house. Okay? You're the, you the, the girl. The, your, your boyfriend comes from a home where the dad did nothing. Both parents worked, but when the dad came home, he put his feet up, waited for his beer and his supper, and put the TV on and read his newspaper. Okay? And mom had to do everything. What do you think is going to happen? Yeah. Well, you'll expect that. 
You come into marriage, you'll sit down the first time you come home from work after being married for a couple of months, and you'll put your feet up and say, hey, babe, where's my beer? And she'll throw it at you. And don't be surprised, because you deserve it. <laughs> but you go into marriage with those expectations, and your wife expects you to be involved, and you expect your wife to do what that is. Okay. And you're expecting her to meet those needs in the wrong way. Now, if you've got an absent need like that, if you've got a need that wasn't met, the only way that that can be met is to pray and ask the Lord to meet that need. That's why he says that I'm a father to the fatherless, I'm mother to the motherless. If there's an absent father meet, he, a need, he'll meet that. If there's an absent mother need, he'll meet that. Okay. You can't look to other people to meet that need. The only person that can meet that need is the rightful person. Okay, so your wife or your husband can only meet that need that they were created for. Next one. Okay, unhealed hurts. Okay, here we go. Unmet needs. Un keep on going. Keep on going. Okay, just go back. Sorry. Unhealed hurts are birth when something that should not have happened in your life did. Unresolved issues are birthed out of ensuing anger and confusion about why. And unmet needs are birthed when something positive that should have happened in your life didn't. Okay. Right, next. Okay, take it back. Take it back. Okay, so some of the first things that you're going to have to do is you're going to have to identify what are the issues in life. So what are the unmet needs in my life? What are the unresolved issues? And what are the unhealed hurts? So one of the ways of doing this is, is you're going to create a life map. Now there's pencils and pens and crayons and all kinds of stuff. And you're going to create your own life map and you can find a place to do it. You can do it where you are if you like or you can go anywhere you want to to do it. Okay, and we're not going to, uh, you're probably going to get about 15 to 20 minutes to do it, and then we're going to come back together. But basically, all a life map is, is this. Okay, you just draw a line any way that you like, and you put the birth, next one. Put the slide on. Okay, then you say at age four, my parents laughed at me. Okay, so uh, when I was four years old, my parents were uh, on the way to give birth to my sister, and um, I was crying, and uh, they laughed at me. And that became an um, area of rejection in my life. I felt totally rejected by my parents at four years old, and that thing carried me 
right until I was 28. I could never talk about that event without crying until someone prayed for me and healed me from that. Okay. But it was a, it was a traumatic event for me. But that was something that happened at that age. So I want you to think about anything that uh, around about that time. If you can't think of anything, it's fine. Don't kind of, you don't have to make stuff up. But you're going to draw your own lifeline. What happened at certain stages, major events in your life, positive and negative. So the next one was at eight years old, my mother nearly beat me to death because I sought my uncle. I had these cowboy guns that I got for Christmas. And I was showing him, and he was flicking them around, and he, he let it go, and it dropped in the sand, and I, I gave him the F word. I was eight. And <laughs> my mom wasn't very impressed with my behavior, so she chased me into the thing, and she beat me with a, a piece of bamboo. And she had to be pulled off of me when I was eight. And um, according to, according to the, the story is that, that my mom nearly killed me. Now, my mom lives with me. So I'm punishing her back. Eh? <laughs> no, well, sorry? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My mom lives with us now, and we've dealt with that, and we've worked through it and stuff like that. I, I've forgiven her. And that. But that was a major I- issue in my life, and I had tremendous issues with my mom. My mom couldn't touch me. Even sometimes now, I've still got to be careful of how I respond to my mother, because there's still my old nature wants to come out. And the next one? Okay, no, there's not. Okay, go back. Okay, so just a basic idea, and you can go as far back as you want and as far up as you want. Okay, but you need to have at least six or seven events on that map that happened to you, and they can be at different age, ages. They must be in chronological order, so birth, the next event that happened afterwards. Something that you can remember. And it can be as simple as I failed at school. Like I, one of the ones I would put in there is I failed standard six and I failed standard seven. Okay. And those were major issues in my life because I was uh, always afraid that people would find out and think I'm stupid and dumb and whatever. So I used to lie about what class I was in. Okay. Um, what else? My brother was I perceived my brother to be a favorite. He was favored over me. So when I went into the army and um, I came out, he had sold my stuff. He had sold my jacket and my record. I bought a record and he just sold it. And, he, and I said, where's my stuff? Oh, whatever. And I could never do anything about that because my parents protected him. Until one day, I was staying at home. I was then about 28. And my brother was staying. We stayed up in Joburg and he stayed in Bedford View. And he'd come to visit, and he'd left his favorite jeans and favorite shoes at the house. And he phoned, and he said, are my jeans and shoes there? I said, yes, they are. But I'm going to take them, and I'm going to sell them. No, you can't. I said, no, well, you sold my jacket and my record. I'm going to do No, you can't do that. Yes, I went. as I put that phone down, my mom had taken that jeans and that shoes, and she'd eat them away. Couldn't even sell them, huh? So little things like anything like that that has happened that you might think is insignificant. So like even the army, just put in, in 1980, uh, 1981 was in the army. 1983 I was uh, 21. 19, uh, yeah, 1985 I had a major motorbike accident that uh, left me in plaster for a year. So those will, those will be significant events in your life. Okay. 
So anything that you can think of that would have created an unmet need, an unhealed hurt, and an unresolved issue in your life. Okay. Right. Help yourself. There's crayons, pencils. You can decorate. You can use signs. You don't have to use words. You can put whatever you want to indicate what has happened at that time. Okay. There you go. You got... Okay. You can put it back on. Uh, how did you find that exercise? Helpful? A little bit hard? Yeah, hard. Yeah, it is hard. Yeah. Yeah? Okay. One thing that I'm sure that you already know, but let's just, let's just say it anyway, is that freedom doesn't come easy. And the reason it doesn't come easy is because you've got an enemy who wants to, to destroy your life completely. And so you are fighting that enemy all the time to try and get, get back your life. But understand this much, is that Jesus, when he died on the cross, he, de he destroyed the enemy. He stripped him of all his power. And he no longer has any power over your life. The only power that the devil has over your life is the power that you allow him to have. Okay. So you can, you can dismantle all of those things. And it is hard. Now what I want you to do with this, and this is entirely up to you. Okay. If you want to resolve these issues, because this will be a start of a journey for you. Okay. And now not all of it's going to be resolved straight away. And some of it's going to be tough. And you're going to want to avoid some of it. But don't get, fall into that trap of avoiding the pain. Because that's what you've been doing all your life. If you've been in addictive behavior, you've engaged in addictive behavior to avoid the pain. The pain that you've been through. Stuff that's happened in your childhood. Stuff that's still going on in your life that you haven't dealt with. And all that pain, you've just avoided. Okay. Through whatever behavior you've got into. So don't now start avoiding that. And you may not get into your substance abuse or anything like that, but you just might put that piece of paper away, tuck it in a drawer somewhere and, and leave it there. Or go and burn it. So I'm not going to look at that stuff again. And that's avoidance. You're avoiding the pain. The only way that you can deal with these issues is if you face the pain. You need to face it. And remember that there are people around you that can help you. You've got God on your side. You've got the Holy Spirit to help you and to guide you. So what I want you to do with this, when you feel ready, you need to find someone that you trust. But someone that is a little bit more mature than you are. So it would preferably not be your spouse or your girlfriend or your or your mother, or your whatever. Okay, it's, it's someone that you trust enough to be able to sit with and go through those things. And you take each event that you've taken now. Okay. And some might come up as you're praying and you're working through this with your, with your partner. But go through those events, and go through that and say, when I was born, did you have a traumatic birth? If you don't know, ask your mom. You've still got a relationship with your mom if she's still alive. If you had a traumatic birth, that'll affect you a lot. It was an umbilical cord tied around your neck. Did you suffer? Were you pulled out? Did you have a cesarean section? And all of that kind of stuff. And pray. Ask your mom, what was, what was her marriage like before you were born? Because that'll play a lot to do how you were born and how you came out. And because this is what happens. And this is scientific fact, okay? If your parents were substance abusers, that, that'll affect you, okay? 
That's the one thing. If there was violence and anger and your mother was traumatized and, and uh, nervous and uh, ang- anxious all the time, while you were in the, in the womb, that would affect you as a child. Okay. They've proven now, beyond a doubt, that a child can feel and know what is going on with the mother. And if there's anxiety and stress and stuff, the baby will feel that and it will affect the baby. So that's why it's important when the baby's in the womb to pray over the baby, to speak to the baby, to speak God's word over the child, to concentrate on telling the child that they loved and they cared for. Then ask yourself, were you born out of wedlock or inward wedlock? So were your child 